0: Hi-de-ho, you boys and girls out there in podcast land. Be sure to stick around after the credits as there's a preview to an upcoming episode you won't want to miss. Also, I want to give huge thanks as always to Song Freedom for supporting this show. The variety of music they have on their site runs the gamut. Indie bands, alt-rock, hip-hop, cinematic scores. If you want to legally license popular music for personal event work from artists like Imagine Dragons, The Afters, When We or oldies but goodies like Etta James, Bob Dylan, The Temptations, or Frank Sinatra, Song Freedom is pretty much the only game in town. Go to songfreedom.com radio and use the offer code RADIO to unlock a standard gold-level license worth $30. Now on with the show. Welcome to another episode of Radio Film Schools, of Filmmaker's Journey the main series of the show. Each season will follow one primary topic, and this season we're looking at finding your voice as an artist and developing a signature style. Enjoy. You're listening to Dare Dreamer FM, the sound of creative expression. All throughout most of my junior high school years, I was one of those kids situated pretty well low on the popularity totem pole. I was the kind of kid who'd played Dungeons and Dragons during lunch with my, like, three other friends. I was still the charming and outgoing guy you know now, I just never could break through that awkward glass ceiling reserved for jocks, cheerleaders, and class officers. But there was one talent I had that would change all of that. Breakdancing. You heard me right. When I moved up to high school, my life literally took a 180-degree turn due to that hot dance craze of the 1980s. Movies like Beach Street and Breaking were huge at the box office, and I just happened to be pretty darn good at it. I can honestly say that it changed the direction of my life. It was a Friday morning, the day of the annual high school talent show. My buddy Chris Spencer and I brought the house down with our self-choreographed routine to Midnight Stars freakazoids. Freakazoids was one of those songs that when it came on during a high school dance, everyone would freak out, no pun intended, and go crazy. So on the morning of the talent show, and that opening line came on, and we moonwalked onto that stage, the high school audience went apeshit. Freakazoids, robots, please report to the dance floor. I was a star. See- No one would ever look at me the same again. Actually, people saw me for the first time. In the immortal words of another Dawson, Jack Dawson to be exact. (laughs) So when my wrestling team traveled to an inner city tournament later that day, I was ready to bring my A-game on during the breaks between matches. In between matches, we'd all go out into the school quad where the tournament was being held, boom boxes and cardboard mats in hand. I was ready for some serious b-boy battling. Hey! That is where reality gave me a real kick in the ass. You see, I attended a high school in the suburbs of Los Angeles that at the time was... How shall we say? Rather... Um, white. So, while the ability to do four or five revolutions spinning on my back at my high school was enough to garner a standing ovation, once I went out against b-boys from more, um, shall we say, culturally diverse environments, I saw what real breakdancing was. My abilities paled in comparison to the dudes I saw at the wrestling tournament that day. Coin drops, windmills, head spins, these cats were the real deal. I was just a squirrel trying to get a nut. <laughs> I had to face the truth. I was just a mediocre breakdancer at best. Have you ever felt like that? Where, in one part of your life, you feel like a superstar because everyone praises your work and skills. Then you go out into the quote unquote real world and feel like a loser, like you have no business even trying. No business being there? I suspect that if you're any kind of artist, at some point you have felt like that. Maybe, just maybe, you feel like that now? Today we're going to look at this quandary, and hopefully you'll hear something that will give you some solace. My name is Ron Dawson, and this is Radio Film School, a filmmaker's journey.
1: How well are you trained in music? I know a little. I I studied it in my youth. Where? Here in Vienna. Ah, then you must know this. I can't say that I do. What is it? It was a very popular tune in its day. I wrote it.
0: I love that movie. I could watch it over and over. It's a clip from Amadeus, Milos Forman's 1984 adaptation of the famous stage player of the same name. It was the movie that won F. Murray Abraham his first Oscar as Best Actor in a Supporting Role for his portrayal of the Italian composer Antonio Salieri. In this scene, Salieri, nearing the end of his life, is an old man who's been moved to an insane ward after having attempted suicide over his guilt in what he believes is the murder of Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, a priest has come to hear his confession.
1: I regret it is not too familiar. Can you recall no melody of mine? I was the most famous composer in europe i wrote 40 operas alone Here. what about this one
0: Yes, I know that. Oh, that's charming. I'm sorry, I didn't know you wrote that. I didn't. That was Mozart.
1: Wolfgang. Amadeus, Mozart.
0: The movie is funny and poignant as it delves into Salieri's life as the court composer for Vienna and a contemporary of the aforementioned genius. Before the appearance of the young, crass, and irreverent Mozart, Salieri was king of the world. He was the man, the most revered and respected composer in the land. But once he heard Mozart's music and witnessed firsthand his sheer talent, Salieri was wounded to the core of his soul. He had a self-actualization that he was nothing, and his art paled in comparison to that young, vile, but empirically brilliant Mozart. Salieri actually curses God, blaming him for putting this desire in his heart, but not giving him the talent to match. By the end of the movie, after having told this emotionally exhausting story to the priest in flashbacks, he tells the priest not to worry. That he understands him. That he, Salieri, is the patron saint of mediocre people everywhere. As a filmmaker, I have definitely felt like Salieri. Too frequently comparing myself to other Mozart's and feeling profoundly mediocre. But I wondered, am I the only one who has felt that way? Is it possible that even the filmmakers that I put on such a high pedestal also feel like Sally Addy? I mean, even among you guys, like I've seen your work and I just think all three of you do just like freaking amazing work. There's that part of me that feels like, man, I don't even feel like qualified to talk to these guys. Like, like my clients like my work and I like my work and my friends like my work. Um, but like you said, Chris, like I'm nowhere near like where I want to be. And so my question is like, do you ever, do you guys ever feel like that? And, yeah. and, and, and yes. if so, how do you, every day? <laughs> how, how do you deal with it? Um, okay, I'll start. That's Chris Finner. Last summer, I spoke via Skype with Chris and two other the filmmakers from Atlanta who all do amazing work. You may remember Chris from the very first Shortens episode stating that he didn't feel like he could justify even calling himself a filmmaker. The other two filmmakers were Dan Duncan, a documentary filmmaker and host of the Fourth District podcast, and Isaac Dietz, a music video filmmaker for such artists as Grammy Award winning rapper Lecrae. I spoke to them about Amadeus and asked them if they've ever felt like Salieri.
2: Three, yeah, I mean, every day. <laughs> I mean, I, think that, I think that's like the double-edged sword to like all the content that's available, is like you can go on my Vimeo stream where. You know other, videos that other people like currently right now is absurd. It's just like, what the crap? It's just sometimes so um discouraging, like man, you wanna be at a certain point and you've been doing this for i mean for a long time, and it's just like, oh man, but I guess how I deal with it is I just say okay i I need to work, I just need to get to work. work works the blues out of me, so to speak, like. Even if it's a passion project. I mean, honestly, I mean, we the whole debate over passion projects, but I do it just because I want to try something. And I know a lot of times clients won't take the risk if I just show them other people's work.
3: Yes, Uh,
2: say that. uh, They want to see me creating it. So I will do pieces that I want to be paid to do. And that kind of helps, like, subside the whole, like, bummed out feeling. No matter what level you're at, you're always going to feel that. Mm -hmm. Um, But then also, you know, for you, like, If you have good client, if you have clients that are happy with your work, and you're providing for your family, I mean, for me, it's kind of like it's kind of like you know, hell, I'll still do weddings, you know, I'll do it, I'll do whatever. Like, I don't want to be above anything. I know what I'm striving for, but I don't want to be above anything because at the end of the day, like providing for my family is more important than, in my opinion, than feeling all rosy and good and being a pure artist. So that's kind (laughs) of my idea.
3: Yeah. When I'm in that place where I see amazing stuff being created, I used to be discouraged. That's Dan. It was paralyzing for, to me for a while, like, yeah, where I would totally, yeah, I would look at it and just be like, "Oh, like, okay, What's the point? I'm, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna do this." And and then finally one day, like, I I, I was just like. I, I, I switched it from like seeing it as like a like a soccer game or, or a basketball game and switched it to like golf and being like look I'm gonna play the course meaning life and this this industry and the individual projects that I'm blessed to have and I'm gonna be encouraged by what other people are doing um, and I'm but I'm gonna play the course is the like the best way and like and I literally just have to shut the computer sometimes uh, and yep. work on my projects and not watch other stuff like n- go on like just like a cleanse of like not watching other people's stuff like you need to but on some level when you enter that space you know. it's like you just need to create your your own art and like make sure and put your whole heart into it like that's how we got our first like true wake film was we did it we went to somebody and we we're like we want to create we want to do a documentary you have athletes like We want to do a travel film. Will you pick up the expenses? But we'll do the entire production for free. And that project has led to subsequent five films. Um, But every year we're we're so excited about it. And we like see the trailer. We like as we're producing the trailers and producing the full film. Like, yes, we've arrived. And then we look back. We're like, ah, we can we can do better. And so it's it's. Uh, a little bit of like you just have to kind of push through the growing pains and and not allow yourself to be paralyzed
4: yeah no i, I think everyone's like killing it what they're saying i totally agree
0: that's isaac
4: there's a really uh inspiring venn diagram out there if you if you just search it um venn diagram art and it has two circles one on the <laughs> left is uh absolute narcissism and then on the right it says crippling self-doubt and then when they come together it says art and uh <laughs> i always i always go like yeah that's totally like true there's sometimes they're like i just want to quit i want to be a mailman and then like the other days i'm like yes like i'm the best person in the world and like you kind of go back and forth it's funny because i really think that like first off you should be never happy with where you're at as a person as an artist as a christian as a human whatever you are i think if you're happy with where you are where you are you stop growing and I was thinking about it like where people are like you know I haven't developed my style yet I think it's more of like um, like I just look at my old stuff a long time ago and I was like yeah that was my style then it wasn't as relatable then but I think of style more like a personality thing where it's like yeah I had a personality when I was 10 I was probably pretty annoying but I I was a personality and um, I was just reading a book on um, David Fincher who's awesome and he says half of your style is stupid mistakes that you constantly make or consistently (laughs) make um and it's true like i think we're always gonna be like yeah i'm not where i want to be and i think that's a great place to to be and i i think um art changes you and then while you change you also change the art you make um i think art if you do put your life into the art you're making um that art will affect you and change you as a person and grow you in different ways that you never thought was possible.
0: So in listening to Dan, Kristen, Isaac, I can't help but think of the proverbial grass is always greener mindset. Isn't it so easy for us to look at other filmmakers, other photographers, other artists in our field and think, man, they've made it. They got the Midas touch. Then when comparing to our lives, we feel like we suck. But I've done enough of these interviews over the years to know that that's not the case. You never know what the filmmaker you admire so much is dealing with. When we return after the break, be prepared for some eye-opening perspective.
5: Please listen carefully.
0: When I first launched this podcast, I promised you that these sponsor segments would be educational and or entertaining. And to be honest, I don't think I've done a great job living up to that promise. Well, it's time to make amends. Since Song Freedom is a sponsor, it only makes sense that any educational aspect be related to music. So over the next few episodes of the main show, I want to share some tips on picking music for your productions. Now, the skill level of my listeners is a wide range, so apologies in advance if for some of you this sounds basic. But my first tip in picking music for your productions is tie the music to your story. Let me explain. Think about what a feature film or television show composer does when making a score. They're creating a soundtrack that takes the viewer on a journey just as much as the visuals do. I recently heard an interview on the Slash Filmcast where host David Chen was interviewing Dominic Lewis, the composer for the Amazon original series Man in the High Castle. Lewis mentioned that before writing any music, he read all of the scripts and began watching the episodes as they were completed. Became intimately connected to the stories and the characters. Sometimes I think filmmakers try to find music that quote unquote sounds good. Or worse, they'll pick a type of music that is popular without any regard if that music really fits 1. the tone and story of the video, or 2. the audience to which that video is targeted. Know your story, your subject matter, and your characters well enough that the music you pick feels like it was scored specifically for that video. But keep your audience in mind, too. For example, let's say you're doing a fundraising video for an inner-city school's music and dance program. Your first instinct may be to use that cool breakdancing hip-hop beat. But let's say the video is being played at a black-tie affair attended by a bunch of rich old white people. In such a case, you may want to go with Mozart over Macklemore. Now, of course, you can apply these tips to whatever resource you use to find your music. but. If you head on over to songfreedom.com slash radio and use offer code radio, you'll get a free standard gold level license worth $30. So go and get your free song today. We thank Song Freedom for their support. If you have any great tips for how you pick music for your productions, go to DareDream.fm and leave us a voicemail. Maybe we'll share them on the show.
6: I mean, you can look at my Instagram from the past year. It looks great. I mean, you know, like <laughs> no one's going to Instagram. I, you know, I can't get out of bed today because I'm so depressed. And I have, to, I, I spent three hours at the unemployment <laughs> office. But that's not going to be, you know, on your Facebook thing. I mean, maybe somebody. That's but not, that's-,
0: that's Brandon McCormick. If you're a regular listener to the show, you already know how much I admire Brandon's thoughts and eloquence when it comes to topics like this. He's also based in Atlanta and runs Whitestone Motion Pictures. Last summer, they had recently wrapped shooting a special for the History Channel about the mystery of the Pilgrim Colony at Roanoke. When you look at the production value of White Zone's work, their number of Vimeo views, and the fact that they're doing work for the History Channel, you can't help but look at their grass and say, damn, that is one impressive shade of green. But Brandon was quick to share that one, no matter who you are, making a living at this gig is hard, and two, even filmmakers like Brandon often feel like they suck.
6: The temptation for sure is to look at other filmmakers, uh, whether they be peers or ahead of you, and like, man, they've got it together. And just to look at, you know, when Nick and I look at each other and go, man, people think we got it together. I mean, there is no like got it together, you know, and what if that like doesn't exist? Like maybe there's this free fall terror that, you know, that we have to just get comfortable with, uh, you know, and the suspicion isn't that like, oh, there's a place that you arrive at where this isn't an issue anymore, Um, you know, that it's not terrifying and you're not always like on the verge of bankruptcy. And, uh, (laughs) you know, like I feel like that. You know, I've talked to some people who have far bigger companies, and you know, as mentors, and they go, "Oh yeah, that's normal. I, I was just about to go bankrupt two years ago, and now I got a hundred million dollars." I'm like, "Well, okay, well that's encouraging, I guess, in its own way, you know." So that it is though, because what you, yeah. you read the books on the the inspiring, you know, Steve Jobs or <laughs> right. Pixar, and they they say, and then Pixar worked for ten years on commercials just to survive, and then Toy Story. But, like, that sentence is 10 years long. <laughs> right. Like, you know, my sentence right now is one year, one year and a half of, like, awfulness. But, you know, it's it's easy to go. And then, yeah, well, yeah, so well, they, they, yeah, they had a difficult time and then they got to Toy Story or whatever the story is. But that's a that's a long sentence. Those inspirational stories are all fine and good. But, man, those chapters on how hard it was are real short. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know they're a lot shorter the the whole book isn't about like how crappy those 10 years were Uh, I I would read that book though
0: as morbid and morose as this may sound we as human beings broken beaten and infallible human beings when we see other people dealing with the same issues we somehow feel better here's Brandon again
6: we'd love to tell you how to how we shoot our movies and what camera blah 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 but also man this is this, this road is tough and it sucks and it's not easy um and and to hear that is in some this commiseration is in some ways a, a form of uh, uh, catharsisism we just feel like okay well so your stuff sucks and your life sucked for a while and it still kind of sucks now and the thing okay cool well that's just the way it is then oh, okay <laughs> it's then, then I'm not I'm not in this alone sea I'm not off in my own uh, island and just trying to to survive there's actually a ton of people in the same spot and there's a there is some kind of comfort in that.
0: On last week's Shorten's episode, The Binge, I had a wonderful discussion with my friend Yolanda Cochran. She recently ended a six month consulting gig at Netflix, and before that, she was head of physical production at Alcon Entertainment, where she worked for over a decade. There was a part of my conversation with her that wasn't in that episode that I think is apropos for this discussion.
1: This is hard enough to do to not have something inside of you driving you to do it it's like why why waste your time life is too short you really should be doing And, and what ends up happening and a lot of times the shows that and movies feature films or whatever the case may be tv shows web series the ones that find success are ones that have a unique take or a unique voice but things that end up getting talked about are things that seem new and fresh or different and and specific and unique. And so if you have something that you particularly are very interested in, chances are there are other people out there who are also interested in it, specifically interested in it, or who might enjoy seeing what that how that works, even though it has nothing to do with them themselves. In this day and age, even today, like you can reach your audience in a whole host of ways.
0: I started this episode telling the story of how I wowed my high school audience with my rather mediocre breakdancing. I then lamented the fact that when faced with the dexterous capabilities of the kids from other schools, I found my own street dance skills were woefully lacking. But ironically enough, the secret and the answer to my predicament, to our predicament as artists, that is, this overwhelming feeling of mediocrity in the face of others whose work we deem so much more superior to ours, the secret lies in that high school auditorium and was conveniently echoed here by Yolanda. I had an audience for my dancing, an audience that thoroughly enjoyed my dancing and the style I brought to the stage. They weren't concerned with whether or not I could do a coin drop or a windmill. They didn't care that I could only make five revolutions on my back as opposed to 15. They loved my performance. They appreciated my skill. The only one who had a problem with my dancing was me. May you find the fortitude to realize that there is an audience for your work and comparing yourself to others will only lead to disillusionment and despair. Now, I'm not saying you're gonna go slit your throat or anything. But you will dramatically diminish your enjoyment and fulfillment of your craft. And worse, you may deprive an audience out there who needs to hear what you have to say or see what you have to show. So all my fellow filmmaking freakazoids, please report to the dance floor. Stay tuned to hear about a special challenge and stay after the credits for a preview of a very important episode of the show. Radio Film School is a production of Dare Dreamer FM. This episode is produced and written by me with production help from Chris Husledge. Music was curated from freemusicarchive.org, Kevin MacLeod's and Incompetech.com, and Song Freedom. Links to tracks and artists are in the show notes. Speaking of Song Freedom, they have been a huge supporter of the show. Be sure to go to songfreedom.com radio and use that offer code radio to unlock a standard GoLevel license worth $30. And you can be a huge supporter of the show if you go to iTunes, subscribe, and leave us a rating and a review. When you subscribe, it helps us get found by other filmmakers looking for a different kind of podcast. And your ratings and reviews help our rankings as well. If you haven't done so already, it would really mean a lot to me if you could go do that. This issue of comparing yourself to others and feeling mediocre because of it is something that is profoundly pervasive in the creative community. I would like to issue you a challenge. I call it the Comparison Kills Creativity Challenge. For the next month, don't look at the work of any other artist within your same field. If you're a genre filmmaker, don't look at any other genre films from your contemporaries. If you're a wedding filmmaker, abstain from lurking on the Vimeo page of Ray Roman, Kevin Shahinian, or some other wedding filmmaker whose work you admire. If you make documentaries, only watch Narratives. And this challenge isn't just for filmmakers. Whatever kind of artist you are, refrain from looking at, listening to, or reading the work of your fellow creatives that do the same kind of art. Try it for 30 days. Just 30. Find inspiration in other art forms, or in nature, or science. If you discover something interesting about yourself or your work during this time, leave us a voicemail at daredreamer.fm and we may share your message on the show. By the way... With regard to my breakdancing story, what I lacked as a breakdancer in high school, I more than made up for as a swing dancer during the 90s, but that's a story for another episode. Thanks again for listening, and remember, if the story sucks, I don't care what you shot it with or cut it on. Peace out. Yeah, that really doesn't work when I say it. For some time now, I've been documenting the progress of my short documentary film, Mixed in America, Episode 1, Little Mixed Sunshine. On the last Filmmaker's Journey episode, Bridging the Gap, I gave you an update on the film's progress and had some great input from other filmmakers. But shortly after the show aired, I got a text from my buddy and frequent show guest, J.D. He had just listened to the episode and felt compelled to talk to me about the film's progress, so I gave him a call on his phone.
5: I, w- I wanted to pick your brain because I listened to the last podcast, and um, I was, I, 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 you know, could hear the frustration in your voice about trying to get the, a particular shot that you felt you needed for your the for mixed in America, and you know, just trying, you know, and, and the whole discussion about the gap, and you felt like you weren't,
1: <clears throat> you
5: were stagnating trying to get the thing, the project done.
0: Right, and I was recording this call just so you know.
5: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you were. That's what I was like. got to be cryptic, cryptic with his brother. You like uh, Woody Allen and Crimes and Misdemeanors. But I just saw you. I was lurking behind the corner, and I saw him. I just thought, you know. <laughs>
0: I felt like this was going to be great fodder for the podcast, so I asked J.D. if I could call him on Skype for the show. The following week, I had a long conversation with him about my progress on the film, and he said some things that really kicked me in the butt. Probably more so than any other advice I've had. But I think in talking to you, I've come to a realization. Like, I'm not making this film for the podcast. Like, and, and honestly, I don't give a fuck about the shot. I don't. I really
5: don't. I don't know. I don't care. I don't. I don't right. even know what it is. I don't. I, so I mean, and most people aren't. I mean, it's not right. like. I mean, I know, you, I know when you make a podcast, you're putting a lot of yourself out there. Right. In, your, in your podcast, particularly, and you've talked about stories from your kid. You know, it's, it, it can be personal for you at times. But honestly, just as your friend, we don't know what shot you're like. I, I've heard you talk about it. And I still don't really, it's not cataloged in my mind. Like, oh, I need to see this. I need to see, you know, I don't know. I don't care. And it's like, you got to get it done. I just felt like I was in your shoes. And like, man, I've been there before. It's procrastination in the sense that I don't know what I'm going to do for my, my – uh, I know what I want to talk about. I know what I want to do for my, my, um, my term paper, but I just don't – I need to get this whatever. And, it, and it's that one thing that's or, – or those several things that allow you to just kick the, kick the bucket down the road a little bit more and, and kick the can down the road so that you're not completing the project.
0: In a few weeks, we're going to air this special episode, an update on Mix in America. Will JD's words be enough for me to finally get this five-year project done? Stay tuned to find out.